See, now the Christmas music makes more sense. Now that it is December, Christmas music is allowed 24 days until Christmas. This, of course, is the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley. And as I promised, we have a lot to get to. And I'm not going to be able to get to everything. In fact, we're not even going to get to Jerome Powell's testimony yesterday on the Hill, in which there was a lot of confusion about whether or not he was saying that inflation is no longer transitory, and was he talking about moving up tapering? He didn't do either of those things. He said, yes, they would think about possibly moving up tapering, and then he made a comment about maybe retiring the word transitory because maybe it's too confusing, but there was a lot of confusion there. We're not even going to get to that because there's so much more that's happening especially with regards to housing. And we're going to start. See, I was deciding. I was I was having a very big debate about this. Were we going to start by talking about Case Schiller or are we going to talk about the FHFA's decision on conforming loan limits? And that's where we're going to start because this is a big deal any way you look at it. No matter where you live in this country, this is a huge decision. So we knew that the number was going to be big. We knew it was going to be a big jump. I don't think anyone thought that it was going to be close to six figures big. And that's exactly where it ended up. The Federal Housing Finance Agency announced yesterday the new conforming loan limit. That means loans that can be sold to Freddie Mae and Freddie Mac has increased by $98,950. That is an 18% increase. So the new limit is now $647,200. Now, that was not only the biggest increase dollar-wise, but it was the biggest increase percentage-wise. I mean, it was big all around. The previous high was set in 2006, not exactly a good omen there, uh, when it jumped 15.9%. And the high-cost areas, well, that's 150% of 647,200, means that in high-cost areas, a conforming loan limit could be $970,800. I mean, it's just so, it's funny. You talk to people in the business. I talked to my boss, David Massione, who's been in the business for almost 30 years. And he says that when he started, the conforming jumbo was, I think, 60,000, something along those lines. We are now over 10 times that amount. Um, And now to see a high cost area loan could be almost a million dollars and still qualify as a conforming loan is just it's it's I don't know who would have predicted this a couple years ago. Uh, The FHFA acting director, Sandra Thompson, had an interesting comment about these changes saying, quote, the FHFA is actively evaluating the relationship between house price growth and conforming loan limits particularly as they relate to creating affordability and sustainable home ownership across all communities. And I think there's a reason why this was mentioned and why she said it that way in this release, talking about raising the conforming loan limits, because I mean, this is a massive increase. Like I said, no one was really predicting this. 
And it goes back to this Wall Street Journal editorial board, um, or I should say this Wall Street Journal editorial board editorial, which criticized the proposed changes. Now, at the time, we thought that loan limit was actually going to be a little bit less. So this was actually a criticism of a lower amount. So I cannot imagine that they'd be happy to hear that it was even higher than we thought. But here's what the Wall Street Journal said last month, saying, quote, this is in, in, one of the, in that piece they wrote. This is one of the paragraphs. The government backstop was intended to assist low and middle income buyers. Now it subsidizes affluent Americans who don't need the help which contributes to elevated prices, especially in expensive markets. They also said the solution is for local governments to encourage more housing development, not for the feds to prop up demand for high-end homes. Now, listen, I completely agree with the Wall Street Journal on this, 100%. We need to encourage housing development. Inventory levels are at historic lows. I 100% agree. And that raising loan limits, I also agree that raising loan limits will probably put upward pressure on prices. However, this current spike has really more to do with low inventory levels, uh, low rates, and this huge disruption that we've seen in the workplace with remote work. Raising loan limits certainly won't help, but until inventory levels and demand levels normalizes, these price spikes are going to happen regardless of what the FHFA does. And I do think it will help some people qualify for loans they would not have been able to. Now, is that what the purpose originally was for with regards to conforming loan limits? No. We have we have clearly gone off the path. And that's a discussion for another day, but I don't think that raising the conforming loan limits is going to be as devastating because this was already happening. I mean, this has been happening for 2 years. What happens for the most part is people either find a way to make the conforming loan limit or they just go with jumbo. Sure, it might be a little bit more expensive, but the demand is just so insane right now that that's the route that you're going to go. I mean, if you're going to want a house and you have to go jumbo, that's the route that you're going to go. And usually if you're looking in that price range, you can probably afford it. Those few extra points that it might cost you to get that jumbo loan. But I don't think that it's necessarily, oh, we're going to raise the conforming loan limit. That's going to cause skyrocketing prices. I mean, prices have been skyrocketing without any idea of what's going to happen with the conforming loan limit. It's not like they raised it two years ago and then boom, we've seen this 20% jump. This was happening regardless of what was happening for the conforming loan limit. But once again, does that put upward pressure on prices? I think it does. How much? I don't think it's that big of a factor, especially not right now. And here's what's interesting. So this comes out. And then the other big story of the day is Case Schiller showing the first price slowdown since May 2020. Now, once again, prices did not decrease. They're just not increasing as fast as they have been. And we've seen this in other indexes. We've seen it in some places, but this is the first time that we've seen it from Case Schiller, who's like the gold standard when it comes to evaluating home prices. And what they found is that in August, because remember, this is kind of a lag here. In August, the S&P CoreLogic Case Schiller U.S. National Home Price NSA Index reported a 19.5% annual gain in September, which is slightly down from the 19.8% from the previous month. So we're still talking about just insane growth. I mean, 19.5% year over year. I mean, any investment, that's amazing. But it is down from the 19.8% 
that we saw in August. Now, the U.S. National Index posted a 1% month-over-month increase, meaning from August to September, 1% growth, which is down from the 1.2% that we saw in August. So this is kind of what everyone's been saying is that we are finally seeing it in data form. We've been hearing it from realtors. You've been talking to anyone in real estate. They said, yeah, things are kind of calming down. They're not back to normal, especially not for the fall, (laughs) definitely not for November, December, but we have seen things kind of slow down and and somewhat calm down, I should say, but still elevated, way above where it would normally be at this time. Uh, And growth actually seems to be slowing quicker. If you can say that slowing quicker, is that a oxymoron in the bigger cities as the 10 city composite annual increase came in at 17.8 percent which was down from the 18.6 percent in the previous month month over month growth also lower uh in september when compared to august now interestingly enough phoenix continues to lead the way despite seeing a slight 0.2 percent drop in growth with a 33.1% year-over-year price increase. (laughs) You thought 20% was great. What about 33%? Uh, Tampa was second at 27.7%, and Miami at number three with only 25.2% growth. Craig Lazara, Managing Director at SMP DJI, reiterated the questions surrounding this continued surge in demand. Because, I mean, let's face it. Mortgage rates are starting to rise. I mean, they're still historically low by any standard, by any definition, but they are starting to rise and we're in demand slowing a little bit, but really it's more about there being more inventory out there. The demand is still incredibly strong. And Lazara said in a statement, quote, we have previously suggested that the strength in the U.S. housing market is being driven by households reaction to the COVID pandemic as potential buyers move from urban apartments to suburban homes. Now, more data will be required to understand whether this demand surge represents simply an acceleration of purchases that would have occurred over the next several years, or it reflects a secular change in locational preferences. September's report is consistent with either explanation. So we still don't know if the demand that we're seeing is sort of, um, as he points out, demand that would have happened anyway over the next couple of years, and we've just truncated it into the last couple months, or... If this work from home revolution is still driving a lot of this demand, we don't know. And we're going to need more data to find this out. Now, I've mentioned this before here on the podcast plenty of times. Uh, Back in the end of June, I talked to Bill McBride from the Calculated Risk blog. He was he's known for being one of the people who actually predicted the 2008 subprime crisis. So he he knows a thing or two about the housing market. And I asked him on Twitter when he thought we would see the peak in Case Schiller. And he said, quote, my guess is the year-over-year peak will be before the August report, saying that Case Schiller is a three-month average, so it really lags. I mean, let's face it, he was right. Spot on. (laughs) Because it peaked in August. The September report shows a slowdown. So, I mean, he was like spot on <laughs> that it was now you could say, well, he said before the August report and technically it peaked in August. 
So maybe you take off a little bit, a couple points there, but that's still an A plus anyway you look at it and speaking of slow growth we also got data from the fhfa man they are popular here on today's podcast uh the home price index also came out yesterday and while price growth did increase it was the quarterly report from the second quarter it was lower than the peak that we saw in july u.s home prices rose 18.5 percent in the third quarter of 2021 when compared to this, the third quarter of 2020. Now, this is up from the 17.4% annual growth that we saw in Q2, but it's down from the peak of 19.2% that we saw reported in July. Home prices were up 4.2% quarter over quarter, which once again was smaller than the 4.9% quarter over quarter growth that we saw in Q2. So FHFA also showing a little bit of a slowdown when it comes to home price appreciation. Now, regionally, they say the mountain region was up the most with a reported 25% increase year over year, followed by the Pacific region up 20% and the South Atlantic also up 20% as well. Looking at the states, Idaho, number one. Don't hear that very often. Idaho, number one, except in politics. Idaho, or excuse me, that's Iowa. Idaho never gets mentioned. This is the one of the only times. Uh, it was reported a 35.8% year-over-year increase, followed by Utah was up 30%, Arizona up 27 Montana up 26 and Florida at number five with 24.7% growth. And before we go, because I know we're running long here, I like to keep it usually around 15 minutes I do my best when there's this much information. Like I said, we skip stuff and still we're probably going to run over 15 minutes. Uh, consumer confidence. Apparently consumers did not need the Omicron variant to start feeling a little bit uneasy about the economy because consumer confidence fell in November. According to the latest data from the conference board, consumer confidence fell to 1095 a slight dip from the 111 that we saw in October. Now, economists had projected a smaller drop to just 111. It was 111.6. But consumer confidence has now fallen in four out of the last five months. And a lot of it's a concern about what's going to be happening because the present situation index did see a drop three points to 142.5, but it's still 142 versus the expectations index, which is looking ahead. That fell 1.4 points to 89 in November. Interestingly enough, little side note is that the present situation index, people were not feeling confident about business conditions, but did like the labor market that was reversed on the expectations index, which people were not confident about good news in the labor market going forward, but they were confident about business conditions. And just so you know, Lynn Franco, Senior Director of Economic Indicators at the Conference Board said, despite the drop in confidence, the holiday season should be a win for retailers, but we don't know what's gonna happen with COVID or price hikes. So there could be some hiccups, but they are feeling confident moving forward for the holiday season. All right, speaking of confidence, we got to go. I don't know, was, that, was I trying to say that confidently? I'm not sure about ending the podcast this way. <laughs> that was the worst transition. Good thing I saved it for last. It's already over. All right, you guys enjoy your Wednesday. 
We'll see you back here Thursday morning for another edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. Wait.